Lawyers always need to be on top of their game, or at least appear to be. It can feel overwhelming to recognize or admit when we aren't, and even harder to reach out and get help. Welcome to Sidebar, brought to you by North Carolina's Lawyer Assistance Program, where lawyers help lawyers by sharing their experience, strength, and hope as they delve into their personal journeys of recovery. Hey everybody, this is Robin Morades, the director of the North Carolina Lawyer Assistance Program. Today I'm joined with Rob Ingalls, the owner and operator of LawPod, the podcasting company. Right off the bat, in full disclosure to our listening audience, I want to let them know that you are no longer an active practicing attorney. <laughs> uh, you're in fact now a podcast producer that helped us produce our podcast and bring it to fruition. So thank you. Thanks for being with us and thanks for help on the podcast. Hey, it's it's my pleasure on all of those fronts, and I and I actually am still an active attorney, but not practicing. Uh, I worked really hard to to get there, and and it it still is important to me. So I keep those CLEs up. So let, let's start with this. Studies have shown that people who go to law school are actually quite well adjusted and are doing better mentally and emotionally than their peers. Studies also show that law school changes all of that. Before we launch into what you're doing now, I want to go back a little bit and tell us about how you were as a kid. Sure. So I was a very anxious child, and I didn't really know that at the time. I didn't have a word for that at the time. I grew up in a very rural area, and mental health wasn't something that people discussed. And when they did discuss it, it was always in a very negative light. And you know, the words like depression were coming onto the scene. And, but it was definitely not something that you wanted to be. I'll say that. The, the problems I was having, I was extremely anxious all the time about everything. And I just kind of thought, I guess everybody's like this and they just figure it out. And I, and that's really one of the things that I used, one of the coping mechanisms to get through was I learned early on that I had to lean in to discomfort that when things were hard, when I wanted to bury my head in the sand or run away or hide was really, if I wanted to get where I wanted to go, I had to lean into it. I had to just figure it out. And that ended up serving me really well. I, I don't know that it was the best coping mechanism in the world in every situation, but it still, it taught me some valuable lessons and it helped me get, become more successful because that was not a foregone conclusion from when I was young, like if you were to talk to my fourth grade class, probably even my high school class, like they, I was probably close to least likely to succeed in the senior superlatives. And so it wasn't that oh, I'm this brilliant kid, he's going to make it. So I really had to try, I had to lean into things, I had to figure it out. And I had to try really, I don't want to say really hard, but I definitely had to be uncomfortable a lot in order to, to move on. And then when I made the decision, I'd always been interested in law. And when I made the decision to actively pursue law, I don't necessarily think it was for all the right reasons. You know, coming from a rural area and a um, more of a blue collar background, the idea of being a lawyer was just a success. There is, I don't know if there's any higher bar, maybe a doctor. And, but that was the idea of success. And so I, you know, from a young age saw that and was like, that'd be really cool to, to do something like that. And, and that was what really set me on that path. It wasn't necessarily 
knowing any lawyers or, or thinking I was well suited for that. Did you notice anything in law school or was this coping mechanism of leaning into the discomfort still serving you well while you were in law school? Yes and no. Uh, law school was different. I didn't realize that I had kind of been skating by in life until that point. Like many of us. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I thought I had been working hard in college. I was wrong. And I got to law school and it was, it was so different from, you know, just from an expectations perspective, the expectations that were on you, but your peers were different. Everyone that was there was some of the better students in their class. They mean business. Yeah. They're all business. They yeah. mean business. Their grade depends on your grade not being better than theirs. And, and, you know, not everybody can get A's. And so it was really cutthroat. It was really ruthless. It wasn't the same atmosphere of camaraderie that I was used to in undergrad, where we, if we all band together, we all can do well. And so there was a lot of free flow of information and discussion. And so when I got there, it was immediately apparent that I was over my head. And it, it also has this, for me, it just felt like it was the first time in, you know, like a long time that I just felt wrong and stupid all the time. And just, and nobody cared, you know, the professors weren't there to coddle me, which I don't think that they should be, but it was just, it was something that I think the law is full of. I think that even after you leave law school, it's just, it's consistently, you're wrong and you're stupid. You know, a case will come in and it'll hit your desk. You'll read the facts. You'll talk to the client. They sound believable. And you'll put this together and you're like, well, this should be pretty straightforward. We should be able to handle this without a lot of fanfare, Right. I'm sure every lawyer listening has heard this story. And so you draft up the letter, you send it over and the letter comes back. You're wrong and you're stupid, essentially. And, and if you don't drop this now, we're going to murder all of your children and your animals. And you're like, what just happened? What just happened? <laughs> and, you know, two years later, you're in court over this thing that should have been dealt with. And it's been two years of just aggression and you're wrong and you're stupid and we're going to bury you. And then if you're lucky, you end up proving that you were right. And, but it was, it was so stressful the whole way through. And that's, it started feeling like that to me in law school. Like it just was overwhelming with how difficult everything was, how aggressive, like just the entire atmosphere was for me. And the, you know, even from standing up in class, and being asked questions and then grilled. And I didn't really understand that angle because I thought I knew what I was talking about, but then they're grilling me like I didn't know what I was talking about. And for somebody who is an anxious person in front of a hundred people, like what's going on inside of your body while that's happening is really overwhelming. Like if, uh, you know, if you're not used to it, you do eventually get used to it. It never gets like, it never feels good but you do get used to it. But in the beginning, it was, it was overwhelming to me. Like it made me want to quit. And I had some peers that quit, but at the same time, I leaned into things. There was zero chance that I had come this far and that I was going to quit. But I, I was really, really overwhelmed. Like in the, especially the first year, the first year was really hard. I settled in a little bit into the second year. Um, my grades were never good. 
I was just kind of just really just hanging on for dear life. So yeah, that, that, that was, that was what showing up to law school was like for me. (laughs) Well, I paired you with the article called validation in the show notes. You didn't actually write the article. I wrote the article, but it's, I think that you represent a perfect example of what happens in the practice of law with the chronic exposure to this fight or flight response that reigns unchecked and often unbeknownst to the sufferer. And in the article, I talk about that the oddest thing happened when we went into the lockdown for the quarantine, all of our support groups across the state converted to Zoom and universally all across the state, what was really shocking to our volunteers and clients who attend those groups is that the overwhelming feeling they all felt was one of immense relief. And the whole world was freaking out because of COVID and they were freaking out too, to some degree, but because courts closed and everything shut down, they returned to what is known as a homeostasis point. For many of them, they had not felt that way since before going to law school. And it was incredibly validating they really felt like, oh, it really is the job. It's not me. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with me. It is the job that's causing this, you know, agonizing stress. So I've paired you with that article because I think you represent the perfect example of that. So tell us a little bit about your law career. Robin, I want to say like, I, I know what those lawyers felt like because when I finally had it off of me, when it was all gone and it took a while, like when you kind of make the decision to get out, you, you don't just rip the bandaid off. There's so much to trying to get out because you have these cases that are going. And, but when it was gone, when it, I remember where I was when the last case settled and just what it felt like to be done, <laughs> like just to have it over. And I never had to do it again. It was incredible, just freeing. Let me ask you this. This is interesting, but you had a lot, you were facing a lot of uncertainty with your new path. And yet the overwhelming feeling was one of relief rather than fear about facing the unknown. Yeah, there, there was fear, but it was exciting. It was, and I was doing something that I liked that I, when I got up in the morning, I was passionate about doing that I, you know, in like this morning, for example, I got out of bed excited to get to my desk. I wasn't dreading getting to my desk and I'd never felt that way before. It was so much relief being out of the conflict, being away from the fight was what I needed because I don't, I'm not the kind of person that wants to be in conflict. I don't want to be in conflict with my wife. I don't want to be in conflict with my neighbors, my friends. Being an adult means you have to be in conflict sometimes and that's okay. But as, as a lawyer for me, the entire job was like business development was recruiting conflict. Hey, you got any conflict I can have? I'd love to have some conflict if you have some. And, and so it was, you're never going to get away from it. Um, you know, right at the end, I was like, kind of, I think a lot of lawyers have done this, especially ones that left, was we tried to find another area that would work for us. Yeah, we, we advise a lot of people to find a new practice area. That worked for me, actually. I found a different practice area that was not litigation based. Yeah, I did, you know, flounder about for a while trying to find something that might kind of work for me, but it wasn't, I mean, it for me too, the kind of personality I am, 
the law itself was the problem. Just the entire way it was set up, the, you know, having, honestly, just having a governing body that could drop the hammer on me was, I didn't like it. It it was always there. You know, if I make a mistake, like my mom is going to show up and spank me. And that just, it didn't sit well with me. It was, it was kind of overwhelming and it was something, and lawyers are always talking about it. Like everybody's, you know, especially opposing anybody on the other side, especially in litigation, they're always threatening all these things they're going to do. And then, you know, you see these articles coming out of lawyers getting in trouble and you're like, just more anxiety. I don't want to get in trouble. Like it's doing my job is hard enough. There's all this conflict. And now I have to worry about, you know, the hammer dropping on me from all these different angles. And, and so it just ultimately wasn't for me. And I probably should have put a disclaimer at the beginning. Like um, if you're not already thinking about leaving law, this might not be the right episode for you because I know everyone shouldn't leave the law, but it's hard for me because I'm like, why would you want to be in this? (laughs) Well, and you bring up a really important point that I focus on in the article, which is that I've gotten some odd questions over the years. It's sort of this perverse, almost survivor's guilt of lawyers that really enjoy practicing law and thrive, and they think there's something fundamentally wrong with them. And I tell them that there's not anything wrong with them. A lot of this can be driven by personality, as you mentioned, and there's nothing wrong with thriving in law and enjoying what you do. And I remember one of the supervising partners that I was working with when I was in my big firm, I remember him telling me, you got to, he was able to kind of detach and laugh about the whole thing. And he's like, you got to remember, you know, you're not the one on the operating table. You get to go home at night, but some of us are kind of hardwired that we can't let it go, or we can't, you know, think of it in that way, no matter how much we may try. And so I just want to say to the listening audience, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your practice. And in fact, a lot of lawyers, a lot of lawyers that we work with, well, I would say most lawyers opt not to leave the law. Some of them may opt for a different practice area, but the lawyers that we work with generally find tools and strategies that they end up loving what they do eventually. Yeah. They don't get to us that way, but that's how they end up. It sounds like that there was no real progression of the anxiety that right from the law school get-go, you were pretty amped up and that that did not abate at all during your practice. You describe it as spinning out. What started to happen for you? You know, during law school, I started figuring it out. And so I, I kind of figured it out. I, I sat for the bar and, and I passed it on the first try miraculously. I have no idea how, because I really didn't. After I left that test, I was like ready to just throw it all away. And, and I passed on the first try. So I felt really good about that. And then I got into practice. And in the beginning, it, it felt good. I felt okay. A lot of the, the problems of practicing law had not started happening yet to accumulate. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I was out just trying trying to build a book of business, trying to, you know, I'd gotten on the appointed list and I was a new lawyer. It was cool. It was different. It was the thing I wanted. I got to go to court with my suit and try cases. I really like talking in front of people. Like it's something that I grew to really love. I think that's probably one of the reasons I have a, a microphone in my face most of every day 
So I enjoyed that aspect of it. It was kind of fun. And then it does start to accumulate. And from there, you know, it started to get worse. And then the longer I practiced, the worse it got, the more cases you get, the busier you get the, and and I feel like cases kind of like, you know, they never really go away, especially when you get into civil it's, you know, you're wrong and you're stupid on day one. And then even after the jury trial, you're still wrong and you're stupid and something's still coming. Like they just never really leave. I remember this lawyer that I knew this day that he said, (laughs) I've had this case my entire career. It's lasted longer than my first marriage and my second marriage. Guess it had worked its way up through the Florida Supreme Court multiple times. And it was finally actually done. And he'd had the case for like, I don't know, 17 or 18 years through two marriages. <laughs> the poor fella. Yeah, that's, and, and, and I never had anything nearly that crazy. You know, it does, it starts to compound and, and then the problems are really there. And so, you know, I talked earlier about that leaning into discomfort. And so I thought that was the solution when things started getting hard was, okay, we've been here before. And you know, this is hard, but there is, this is, this is what we know. This is what we know works and we'll figure it out. We'll lean into it. And, you know, I did a lot of networking and I was always around other, other lawyers and everybody seemed okay. You know, they all had very, I mean, a lot of them were much busier than me and they seemed okay. They seemed like they had it. We'd go to these lunch networking events. And then from there, you've got to run and be in court by this time. And then you've got to have this client, you've got another hearing in this County at this time. And then you've got, you know, clients that you got to talk to and they're like angry because they can't talk to you the moment they want to talk to you. And, you know, I'm singing the story that everyone knows. And it's just, it's, it's all the things. And then you go do these afternoon networking events and you're with lawyers who just did all the same stuff you did. And they seem like they're okay. And so to me, it was like, okay, I've heard you say this before, but like, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't, why isn't leaning into this working? Why do I feel like every day it's getting worse? And that, you know, I think that was the, you know, that was the mechanism that I used. It really did serve me well in, you know, starting from elementary school was just leaning into that discomfort. And yeah, it's going to feel ugly. You're going to have to stand in front of the class and you're going to have to talk and you might even cry while you're up there because it's so uncomfortable, but that's what you got to do. And then the next time you do it, it's a little easier. And, 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 you know, it, it, it gets better. And so that's what I thought, okay, these people are handling it. I can handle it. Like there's, these people aren't better than me. I can figure this out. And so I leaned into it and I really, I just kept leaning into it. And then I kept getting out there and trying to, you know, do business development and take new areas and try to learn new things and build what I thought would be a successful law practice. And I I think that that mentality is also what kept me holding on so long because I had learned that you lean into discomfort and that's where the magic happens. That's where you get success because other people, are not necessarily wired to lean into discomfort. And so that's how you make your way. That's how you get ahead is by doing the things that maybe other people won't do. And I kept leaning in and out. I mean, it, it really, it kept me hanging off probably a couple of years longer than I would have. And because I, I, I really did believe there's a secret here that I'm going to unlock. You just hadn't, you hadn't found the secret sauce, the special recipe. Right. 
Right. And that given enough time, you would have it. I can you it, find you right. stumble upon it. Um, magic mojo. Yes. yes. I'm going <laughs> to systematize this correctly. I'm going to figure out how to schedule my days in a way that is less stressful. I'm going to learn the law better. So I feel like I know what I'm talking about, like, and which I've, I don't know. I feel like that's impossible, but it's, uh, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get that mm -hmm. secret sauce and then my days are going to become more orderly. I'm going to be able to do this and it's going to be okay. I'm going to feel the way that those lawyers at the networking events look like they feel now. <laughs> well, you touch on an interesting topic because we have a slogan in recovery, which is never compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. I love it. And we use the needlepoint analogy. If you look at the back of a needlepoint, you see all the threads and the, the knots and everybody else on the, sees the finished side of the picture. And I know you probably don't think it about yourself at the time, but other lawyers probably saw you as the finished picture on the outside of the front when you were seeing all the tangles. I use that metaphor all the time because the number one complaint that people have when they come to us, no matter what their, whatever the issues are, whether it's drinking, depression, so many lawyers struggle with imposter syndrome, that everybody else has got it together. Everybody else knows something I don't, and I'm a fraud. Fear of being found out as the fraudulent person that you think that you are. No. And, and I'll tell you, that is how I felt at the time. I, I really did. And I hope that the work you're doing here gets people to talk about this. Like, I hope that the conversation you and I are having gets even a couple of people to open up and have this conversation because we're, there's a lot of us that aren't doing well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell you the statistics. They're dismal for the profession. We're the, one of the most at-risk professions, but I think it's so interesting because when I did the Human Lawyer podcast with Kevin Pratt, when he introduced me, he said that I was charged with destigmatizing conversations about mental health. And I had never thought of my job description in that way, but that's indeed what I do. And in this uh, book called Running for Judge, Judge Tim Fall describes this panicked response he got when he found out that he was going to have opposition in the upcoming election. And he wanted to, quote unquote, document his mental illness. And that's why he wrote this book. But I don't see what he had as mental illness. He got into a pronounced fight or flight response because his livelihood was threatened. Yeah. And I can say that this is my job is to destigmatize these conversations about mental health. But I, it's almost cliche at this point that I that I so often say you're having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And that is just what is going on in the legal profession. The way that our brains and society evolved was not <laughs> in the kind of framework you've already highlighted. And so everything is threatened. Our instinctual survival mechanism is threatened perpetually. And if there is no return to homeostasis, if there's no break in the chronic stress, our brains are not wired to be able to handle this. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with us at all. In fact, it means we're actually quite yeah. healthy because we're having this response, but we eventually become unhealthy by trying to force ourselves to conforming and not taking care of ourselves by listening to the alarm bells that are going off that say, 
this is not good for you. <laughs> right. What is your parting advice for anyone who might be listening today? Oh, I, I would say just listen to yourself. I don't know what everyone's unique. Everyone has their own unique circumstances. And sometimes just like, you know, a few minutes or a few days of, oh, I really hate this. But if it's going on for years and you're just profoundly unhappy with what you do, I, I don't, I, I think that it's, life is really short. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, you, it's so short that to stick around and keep leaning in to the thing that is so clearly making you unhappy, whether it be a practice area or whether it be, you know, the law itself. Um, you know, like I said, I don't want to necessarily tell people, Oh, you should absolutely leave, but it was so good for me that it's hard to understand how it wouldn't be good for you too. But just listen to your body, listen to your mind. And there's a lot out there. A lot of our identities really are wrapped up in it. I went to law school and, you know, kind of an outside chance, like wasn't really expected to. And then that became part of my identity. Like, oh, I did the thing. I did the thing. Like I exceeded expectations. I became a lawyer. There's, you know, uh, that's success. And so it got kind of wrapped up in who I felt like I was. And then that made it even harder to leave because it's like admitting that I failed and forget that, forget all of that. It is possible to get up and do something that doesn't suck your soul away as you're doing it. And you, you bring up two really important points. One is that I, lawyers have their identity so wrapped up in what they do. It can be hard to, to consider doing something else. But I also wanted to bring up the concept of sunk costs. A lot of lawyers feel like there's no real alternative because they've gone so far down the path and they have all this financial debt that's probably related to their law school loans. I think it's part of what propels the immense amount of suicide in the profession. People feel like there's no way out because their identity's wrapped up in being a lawyer and they've got all these sunk costs. Sunk costs are a bit of an illusion. There's a blogger, a former lawyer, a financial blogger named Kevin. <laughs> financial Panther is his blog. And he has a really good post on the illusion of sunk costs. It keeps people trapped. And I guess I just want to end on a note of hope that most people, by the time they get to us at the lawyer assistance program, they're into all or nothing thinking. It's either black or it's white. It's either yes or it's no. And there's a range of gray area in the middle. There's all kinds of options. And you've, you've alluded to some of them, changing practice areas, changing practice settings, possibly leaving law. The point is they don't have to do any of it or navigate any of these decisions alone. There is hope. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I, uh, you know, some lawyers are doing exceedingly well, and I know that, but there's a lot that aren't really making the kind of money I think that they thought that they were going to make. And what really kind of blew my mind is when, when I got out and got into some corporate work, the, the, the stress level was a lot better and the money was a lot better. And so I think that's one of the things that I hear lawyers say um, is they're worried about their financial future and their loans and things like that. And you know, this is uh, this is anecdotal because it was just my experience, but there are a lot of things out there that for, I think, the large majority of people that are practicing law that might work well for them and will treat them every bit as well financially, if not better. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us here today. Really appreciate your time. No, it's my pleasure. And if anybody wants to reach out and just ping me, if you want to have a conversation, um, I, I really am always happy to talk to people. Um, so feel free, um, you know, just email me directly. It's Robert at lawpods.com. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the sidebar. If this is your first time, we encourage you to listen to another episode or two. Subscribe to our newsletter and peruse the resources at www.nclap.org. And if you know a lawyer who could use a hand, please share this episode with them today. Remember, at Sidebar, you are not alone. In fact, you are in quite good company.